Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Exodus 33, verses 7 to 23. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, Teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Thank you, Lord, for your word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light on our paths. Thank you for Phil and his passion for your word. May your Holy Spirit rest upon him and move in and touch our hearts and lives as he communicates what you have put on his heart to share with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Debbie, for leading us today into communion and around the word at the start. So beautiful. 
Um, and uh, it's lovely, Lorraine and I both counted an honor to lead alongside Chris and, and, and Debbie and Al and Rachel and Dave and Laura. Um, uh, we, we, we do truly believe that God has placed us together and raised us up together, so it's lovely. Thank you also to Marty and Ella and Jamie for leading us in worship, and as Debbie said to Matt and Andrew, who faithfully do this week after week, we so appreciate you so much. As Debbie said at the start, this is our second of our joint Lurgan Portadown service for July. Welcome also to Cara and Shalom, uh, as well as our many of our new virtual friends who um, have been tuning in. Thank you for that. We have chosen the theme for the month of July, Come Back Stronger, with the easing of lockdown restrictions. We felt this was really important. And, um, and so we're looking at four areas, listen, prayer, wisdom, and serve. And last week, Alan kicked us off with the word listen, did it very powerfully. Um, and uh, this week, we're going to look at the word prayer. And these are not just words. They're not just doing words or action words. They're postures of the heart. Um, and so that's why we picked these words. And as I say, I'm going to look at the coming back stronger in prayer. Um, my experience, first experience of prayer was as a boy. I remember as a really young boy asking my dad, could I go with him to the little brethren prayer meeting prior to the gospel meeting on a Sunday evening? It happened at 4.30 in the afternoon, and I would see these men mostly go to this little meeting, this prayer meeting in a little anteroom at the back of the main hall, gospel hall, and I asked him, could I go? And so I went, he took me along, I was just a kid, and um, I took my little prayer mat, because that's what they did, they kneeled at these little mats, and they, they were little offcuts of carpet, and I would take my little mat and I would kneel with some of the greatest spiritual giants, um, even to this day, in my memory. I'd listen to their prayers. Sometimes I'd listen to their groans. Often I would listen to them weep as they wept for their family, as they wept for their friends, as they wept for their community. And I remember being moved as a boy. One of the old elders would begin with a long drawn out, oh God. And I would actually feel God bend to listen. Felt, I remember thinking that as a boy. And so for my next 25 years or so, I would seldom miss that little prayer meeting at 4.30 on a Sunday afternoon. There are many prayers recorded in the Bible. Um, some say there are 650 of them. I'm not sure. I have never counted them. But um, uh, the longest prayer in the Bible, of course, is Nehemiah's prayer recorded in Nehemiah 9 having 1,213 words in it, or if you read the Amplified, it's twice that. But, um, or then it's followed by King Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings 8, which is 1,079 words, followed by the prayer of the Lord Jesus himself to his disciples, swore his disciples in John 17, which is 636 words, give or take, with versions, I would imagine. And so, over the last couple of years, though, I found myself drawn to the unrecorded prayers in the Bible. I found myself wondering, what did these people pray? What words or cries did they use? Like, 
prayers that changed history, like Moses' prayer in Exodus 17, when he would climb a hillside, hold his arms in the air, and Joshua would completely annihilate the Amalekites. Prayers that, that changed a nation, like Daniel's prayer in Daniel 10, when he would fast for 21 days, and he would actually bring Michael the archangel from the heavenly realms to fight on his behalf. What did he pray? Prayers that defied nature, like Elijah in 1 Kings 18, when it hadn't rained, there'd been a drought for seven years, and he prayed for rain to come. Prayers that changed the world and secured our eternal destiny, like that of Jesus in Gethsemane, which is so powerfully recorded for us in Matthew 26. These were not nice prayers. And I'm going to suggest to you that if we're going to come back stronger, which our theme is, we are going to have to make our prayer life a little uglier and a little more uncomfortable. Like praying, the praying posture of Moses sounds uncomfortable and painful, where he had to require the help of two of his trusted buddies to come alongside him and hold him up. Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days when hunger and weakness were his closest companions. Elijah placed his head between his knees and travailed. That doesn't sound comfortable. And travailed with groans. Is it any wonder? Before Jesus began his public ministry, he fasted for 40 days, during which time he went toe-to-toe with the devil himself and came out victorious. And of course, we know that Jesus would get up early in the morning before dawn and go out and spend time with his father. And of course, we also know that Jesus actually sweat drops of blood. Blood actually started to come out of his pores. Such was the fervency of his prayer in Gethsemane. By way of context in what Debbie had read for us today, the reason this little exchange happened between Moses and God is that God had asked Moses to fulfill a particular leadership position for him. And this was one of those times where his prayer life stepped into something that wasn't nice. This was ugly. This was uncomfortable. This was head-to-head stuff. God wanted his people to build a tabernacle, a dwelling place where his presence could abide, and he thought Moses should head up this project. And the grooming process for this, of course, had been unfolding for many, many years, probably all of Moses' life. This conversation in chapter 33 that Debbie read for us today happened after Moses received his call to ministry when he saw God in in the form of a burning bush and heard God speak to him out of that bush that was not consumed in Exodus 3. This event today happened after Moses was informed by God that he, Moses, would be the vessel God would use in delivering his people from bondage and oppression. This conversation today happened after Moses' intense struggle with Pharaoh, where the famous words were coined, let my people go. This was after the 10 plagues that finally caused Pharaoh to concede. This conversation today happened after the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea, after the divine handing down of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, where God made a covenant 
with his people. So I'm saying all that to say to you, you can see that Moses had racked up quite a bit of experience with his heavenly father. And now here in Exodus 33, he has just one question for God. Will your presence still go with me? Moses has devoted his entire life to following God, to going God's way at every turn. He hasn't done it perfectly, but he's done it faithfully. And now here he was facing perhaps the most significant leadership challenge of his life. Does it sound familiar? Uh, erecting a dwelling place for the most high God. And, and yet he sensed that the, this very same God who had been so faithful to down through the years was in some shape or form trying to slip out the back door on him. And he's saying, if I were to put it in my own words, I hear Moses saying something like this, I've gone your way, God, all this time. And still today I'm following you wherever you choose to lead. And yet now you're going to ditch me. You're going to make me go it alone. God, you can't do this. He, Moses couldn't even conceive of it. Hence the little chat he initiated with God. And I created two things for us um, by way of looking at this exchange between Moses and his God. Two things that if, I think if we get right will allow us to come back stronger. And the first is this, you need to go with God. Go with God. I say to church all the time that if you and your mind, if me and my mind get into an argument, and if my mind and this word get into an argument, I go with the word every time. If a report and this Bible gets into an argument, I'm going to go with this Bible. I'm going to go with God. And so the first thing I would say to you along with Moses is you need to go with God. We have listened to the advice of the executive we have listened to other church leaders chat about this, but first and foremost about coming back, we want to open our ears to God. We want to listen to him. Moses was a man who was concerned more with, the, with God's will than with his own. This is what I love about this man. I've loved him for a lifetime. This text says that Moses spoke to God face to face as a man speaks with his friend. You don't achieve that level of intimacy on the run. You don't breeze into the presence of the Almighty every few weeks and lob a few random prayer requests and expect to be considered as friend. No, no, no. This type of relationship is cultivated over a lifetime. There is intentional investment here. There is depth that builds intimacy with God like this. So we read that Moses set up a tent of meeting outside the Israelites' camp where he received the people when they had questions about spiritual issues. Moses would enter that tent on behalf of his friends and peers and he would solicit input from heaven on how to deal with problems on earth. We're not told about the size of the tent, um, but we, we know that this tent was, was certainly symbolic. It reminded people that because of their sin, they were estranged from a holy God. Now that's a whole other sermon of what happened at Exodus 19 that that. I'll preach on sometimes, but I, I struggle to preach on it without tears. These people didn't enjoy the type of intimacy with God that Moses enjoyed because of what happened at Exodus 19. And maybe like some listening today, they thought they had a better way. They thought they had a better plan. They thought the will of God was just a little less intriguing than whatever their own self-will compelled them to do. And so they were kept at bay. God could not let them come close. 
If you were to turn back one chapter from the one we read today into chapter 32, you would find Moses coming down from Mount Sinai, the Sinai range with two stone tablets. These stone tablets had been etched on by the very finger of God himself. Moses had had an incredible moment with God, his father, and during which God established a covenant relationship with his people. When Moses goes that comes down from that high place, literally, he comes down from that high place, guess what he finds? As he re-enters the ranks of his people, idol worship. Apparently, the people had got bored waiting for Moses, their leader, to come back, and all kinds of bedlam had ensued. The people, yes, the people, the beloved people of God, the chosen nation, were drunk. They were having orgies. They were melting down their precious metals, and they were forming idols out of them. All hell had broken loose. In fact, hell was literally having its way amongst the people that God adored most. And upon seeing this eruption of chaos, the text says Moses did four things. Firstly, he smashed the tablets of the law, which symbolized the breaking of the people's covenant with God. Second, he burned the idol, the golden calf, and he reduced it to powder, and he threw the powder into their drinking water and made the people drink the chalky mix. Third, he asked Aaron, holding him to account, to give uh, a full account of how this had happened and what had went wrong. And then fourthly and finally, and the most dramatic of all, Moses cleaned house. He insisted that everyone who had been involved in this riotous act step forward and he proceeded to deal with them. And Exodus 32, 28 reminds us that 3,000 of the Israelites, the beloved Israelites, died that day because of this disobedience in the camp. And Moses had spent his entire life following hard after God. And now the people that he'd been tasked to lead were following hard after their own wayward desires. And the text says his anger burned. Is it any wonder? He wasn't angry because the people were disobeying the law. He wasn't angry because the people weren't doing what he told them to do. Moses, is, Moses burned in anger towards his people. I'll tell you why it burned. He knew that the intimacy that he had been enjoying with God was something his friends would never know. Not now, anyway. They were insisting on their own way. And Moses was mad because he wanted more for the people that he loved. What a leader. If he were standing here today alongside me in our presence, I think he'd say, nothing beats going with God. I think that would be his words to us today, like it was back then. Hasn't he done great things in our midst? And yet we move off into our daily lives, assuming he wants nothing to do with all the goings on in our life. We say yes to our little idols. We, we say yes to the endless urns and the things that we have to do, all the while breezing right past the God who made us and loved us and sent his son to die for us. The one who the psalmist says delights in every detail of our lives. I think if Moses were here with, today, he would say, you want to get close with God? Then set up a tent of meeting. You want to get close with God? Then commune with God frequently. You want to get close with God? Then don't let anything get in your way. That's what Moses would say today. And I, I echo those words. 
So first we go with God. Nothing good ever happens if we go our own way. Next, the second little point I want to say, and it sounds almost the same, but it's not. Now we need to let God go with us. Like Moses, we refuse to go it alone. Many of us have chosen to go with God, but we just think we put God into that compartment and then we get on with our daily lives in which we don't feel that God actually fits into some of those remits in our lives. I'm saying, let God go with you into every sphere of your life. Like Moses refused to go it alone. You've probably had the experience of facing a really important meeting. It might have been a doctor's surgery. It might have been a prospective employer. It might have been a bank where you're looking a mortgage. And whatever the case, I bet you've enlisted some help, some support. You've maybe even dragged a person along with you. I don't know. But the very least, you probably sent a text and said something like, the meeting's in an hour. Will you please pray? And what you're really saying to that, loved one, you're saying, this is a really big deal in my life, and and it would be a lot less daunting if I knew you were with me, if I knew I wasn't alone. That's exactly what Moses was after. Here he was about to lead a group of people, and a stiff-necked people at that, according to the Scripture, through the process of building a dwelling place for God's very presence. And as Moses faced that prospect of getting it launched and getting it done and getting it right, I think he looked up to the sky. And he said to God, I'll, I'll, I'll do your will. I'll go your way. But only if you are by my side. And as we come back into our building, whatever way that looks like, I feel as a leader in this church, I feel like looking to the sky and say, God, we'll do it. We'll do it whatever way you say it. But you've got to go with us. You've got to be with us. When do you hear what God's response is, Right? I love this. Moses says in Exodus 33, 15, if your presence doesn't go with us, then do not send us from here. To which God replies in verse 17, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. (sighs) I don't know about you, but that response makes me breathe out. Doesn't it rise a deep longing in your soul to be found pleasing? by God himself. Debbie talked about this in her opening remarks and around communion, knowing us by name, speaking Mary's name. I I love this, to be known by name, by him. Can I tell you a secret today? If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, God is pleased with you, my friend. He, He is familiar with your name. This is intricate familiarity. This is the stuff of family. This is what intimacy is made of. This is what love, agape love is made of. God says, you are my beloved. You are known to me. You are loved. I do not call you a servant for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. That's the words of God. Insist on going God's way and demand that he stay by your side every point of the way. Lay down your burdens. Lay down your to-do list. Lay down your projects to complete and pick up freedom and abundance and instead let him dictate the pace of your life. Yes, but start today by letting him dictate the pace of this day and every day. 
I found this little SIM card sitting on the table. The American Journal of Physics ran an interesting story back in the early 1980s and uh, on, on how powerful a chain reaction can become. And uh, the guy in charge of this, the, the, the study decided to line up dominoes. But they weren't ordinary dominoes. dominoes. They were increasingly larger as they went along. So he started with a small one, the same size as a SIM card, about five millimeters high, just about a millimeter thick. And then what he did was he placed um, one and a half times greater right up to 13 dominoes. Now, you can do them as, by the time he got to the 13th domino, it was just over a meter tall, and it weighed over 100 pounds weight. Using little tiny metal forceps, he carefully placed the smallest domino, this little card, at the start and pushed it. And in dramatic fashion, all 13 dominoes fell in sequence with a resounding crash. He then explained that the study he had conducted was with 13 dominoes, right? Listen to this. But if he had expanded the study to include 29 dominoes, the 29th domino would have been the size of the Empire State Building, 1,500 feet tall to its spire. And uh, <laughs> what that tiny little SIM card style of domino did was topple the next one, which toppled the next one, which toppled the next one. If it had went 29 times, it would have toppled the Empire State Building. I want to say to you today that big things are affected by little things. Big changes start with little changes. Uncluttering your life begins with uncluttering your day. Start this week. Listen to me. Set a time. Make a place anoint the place. Instead of asking, what do I have to get done today? Ask, what do I wish to become today? Bigger questions. When God asked Moses to be a leader, a deliverer for his people, that's who God wanted him to become. And so for Moses, going with God meant to prioritize that goal. So my question to you today, what does God want you to become? Moses was the deliverer of his people. That's what Moses was all about. And I don't know what the specifics of that will mean for you, but you need not only to go with God, but you need to let God go with you into every sphere and every remit of your life. What I know is this, that Moses, when he, like Moses, when we choose to go with God, there's adventure there's deep-seated satisfaction that bubbles up when you're living life from the center of his perfect will. There is nothing like it, nothing like it. And so as we finish, four simple questions to bring it to conclusion today, four simple questions. Number one, who is God asking you to become? As we consider coming out of lockdown, as we consider getting back to church, as you consider maybe getting back into the, the, the wheel of life that just becomes a bit of a rat race. Who is God asking you to become? Secondly, will you go with God? Will you go with God every step of the way? And thirdly, will you allow God to go with you into every sphere, every remit of your life, every habit, good and bad, every dark secret, 
Will you allow God to go with you into every sphere of your life? Because he'll go. And fourthly, will you arrange your life around that purpose? Will you arrange your schedule around the purpose of prayer? Will you become a man or a woman or a young person of prayer? Will you be one who is known to be found in the secret place, not living life in a run, not praying our prayers just on the run all the time, but that place, I can tell you this, and I've lived life long enough to to, to tell you this from experience. I love praying in the park. I love praying in the car. I love singing in the car. You wouldn't want to hear that, but I love all of that. But every time, every time, bar none, that I've heard the voice of God in a specific directional mode. I've heard it in the place that I anointed to spend with God years and years and years ago. A time and a place that I would bow my knee, that I would get my head down out of distractions of life, that I would get away from mobile phones and computers and people and every noise and everything that would distract and give him my undivided attention. Usually it's a Usually, and it's an uncomfortable place. Usually, it's a place that um, is ugly because it's, it, it's, it's gathering those emotions into the presence of God. And if we're going to come back stronger, we're going to have to get prayer lives that match that, match these men and women who we read through the, the annals of our scriptures that 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 call her to God, that change directions of nations and destinies and natures, such power. And the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can. You can know this Savior. All you, the Bible says three times over, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. All you've got to do is call upon the name of the Lord. You might want to say something like, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know that I've sinned, and today I repent of that sin. I turn to you as my Savior and my Lord. I invite you into my life. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill me afresh. And if you say that with sincerity of your heart, God will fill you. May the Lord bless you as you consider coming back stronger. May you consider coming back stronger in prayer. May your prayer life grow to a level, all of us, self-included, need to examine our prayer lives. So the Lord bless you this week. I know it's a holiday week. I hope that if you're getting a break, I know that's probably not possible to go abroad in any shape or form, but getting some time off with family and friends or getting a day here and a day there is nice. So enjoy that. Stay safe on the roads and be blessed. Love you all. Be blessed in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.